Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to our first preseason positional preview here at the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport. We've got a lot to get to tonight. We've got a full tank of constantly swimming fantasy sharks ready to break it down for you, starting with my co-host, Todd Lasky. How are you this evening, Todd? Uh, very good, sir. Sorry about having to cancel on you guys last week. I had uh, an emergency come up, so my apologies, but I'm glad to be back and on board and ready to talk some big-time football. Welcome aboard, everybody. Hey, you it's know, going to be a good show. You know the mantra here at the show, man, family first. It's one of the reasons that we sometimes bring in these round tables of sorts is that if one guy has to take a week off or the rest can pick up the slack, you know, sometimes happens to the best of us. We're also fortunate enough to be joined by a trio of new writers here at FantasySharks.com. Around this time every year, totally usually adds some new blood to the tank, which is always great. I'm going to run around and introduce them real quick. David Alvera, say hello to everyone. Hey, Gary. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited for this new opportunity with Fantasy Sharks and really looking forward to it tonight. Oh, we're glad to have you. Brian Black, say howdy. Hey, Gary. Uh, it's it's beautiful. It's August. Tomorrow football actually starts. And I'm like David said, I'm stoked to be back on the Fancy Sharks team. So thanks for having me. <laughs> well, there's, there's something resembling a football game tomorrow night. I don't know how crisply played. And this is, of course, assuming that they actually get the game in tomorrow because at this point last year we ran into a little snag with the field conditions and whatnot. So, yeah, it's going to be nice to see a couple NFL teams take the field even if most of the guys we see tomorrow night won't even be in the NFL in three weeks. We're also joined by Michael Carline. Say hello to everyone. Hey, Gary, thanks for having me on. This is a great opportunity. Like you said, I'm I'm also a new writer, and it's just good to be talking some good old-fashioned football, and that's the most important thing. Oh. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've been watching way too much baseball the last couple months, and it's, it's starting to affect my brain. So I need to see some people <laughs> just so I can feel better about myself. Those Indians tonight, are making beginning... a bit of a comeback. Well, I don't want to talk about last night's game. I'm still in <laughs> mourning. Uh, Go Cubs. Like I said, oh, now you got it. Now you got to take a Cub shot at me. Ow. Oh, that left a mark. 
Tonight we're kicking off the positional previews for the upcoming season. You know, August doesn't just bring with it the preseason and lousy football games that don't count. It also brings with it every fantasy football fanatic's favorite time of year. It's draft season. You know, everybody's zero and zero. As long as you're playing in redrafts, you can just cast off all the bad things that happened the year before. You can forget about that top five pick you spent on Todd Gurley, and you can move on. You can rebuild. Now, in the NFL, of course, quarterbacks rule the universe. They make the most money. They hog up all the awards. They get the chicks. Revolves around the QB. Not so much in fantasy football. And I'll go ahead and ask this question. And if any of you gentlemen are of the persuasion that I'm about to mention, then by all means chime in. Is anyone here a proponent of spending that early draft pick on, say, an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady? Not quite Aaron Rodgers or Tom Brady, I'd say, Gary. I I knew you were going this way because I know you're a late QB guy. And I used to be one. I sometimes am one. But it all really just depends on the situation. It depends on how my draft's going. I think those guys are just too expensive this year. You're looking at ADPs of 23 and 30 for uh, Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, respectively. There's way too much talent at the positions, you know, at wide receiver, running back at that level to warrant going up that high. I, I mean, obviously these guys are going to light up the scoreboard, 400 points apiece, probably something in that range, but it's just too steep. I think there's better value just a little bit further down the trough, but we'll get to that later. Personally, I'm a second-tier guy. Um, I don't like spending on the big guys, but I don't like waiting too long. I like grabbing that that second-tier type quarterback, the guy that's, you know, a lot cheaper than those big names. Aaron Rodgers, way too early to draft them. There's too much talent on the board, and there's just too many good quarterbacks. Yeah, I I think you hit the nail right on the head there about there's so many good quarterbacks. There's definitely a a drop-off after the top three, Drew Brees being the third. But after that, and I've done a lot of studying, looking at a lot of charts, a lot of different sites. Um, Our guys at footballguys.com come out with a nice spreadsheet that they come up and they run a formula. They're the ones who created the uh, – uh, one of the long-standing value-based principles drafting, and they come out with a nice spreadsheet each year, and I looked at it, and between quarterbacks 4 and 18, there was a total of like 40 points between them as far as projected points for the year. Now, I'm of the thinking of 40 points over 16 weeks is going to be just over two points a week. I would much rather spend one of those higher picks on a running back or wide receiver who can explode and really boost up my team instead of losing two points a week between the value of quarterback number four and quarterback number 18, say. So I'm one of those guys that – I'm going to be one of those guys that sits and waits on a quarterback, and I'm going to load up on my other positions to make my team that much stronger – during the middle of the season, especially when you got bye weeks factored in and you got to rely on somebody on your bench to, to fill in because of either injury or bye week, I'm going to be that much more solid all the way through the season. It's just become that much more prevalent to me. I mean, even 
a few even in just the past say two, three, four seasons, we've gotten a really nice influx of some young blood at the quarterback position that's now coming into its own. We've got guys like Derek Carr out in Oakland just got the huge contract. Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota entering their third seasons. A lot of people think are expecting big things from them. I mean, you look at the ADP at the quarterback position right now, you got guys not even being drafted as starters in a lot of leagues like Matthew Stafford and Phillip Rivers, who were top ten guys last year, who have been consistent fantasy quarterbacks for many seasons. So I can I can understand the logic behind going after one of those second-tier guys. The value is better there. I just – I don't know if I've ever had Aaron Rodgers on my team, and yet every year, guaranteed, I will be in at least one league where someone will pull the trigger. A lot of times, first round, people are still drafting quarterbacks, and that just—I understand they score more fantasy points than the other positions, but it's not. And I keep trying to tell people this: it's not about just how many points they score; it's about how many points they score relative to the other quarterbacks. You have to compare apples and apples. So I didn't figure we were going to have anyone that would say, oh, yeah, man, if I got the eighth pick and Aaron Rodgers is there, I'm on it. But let me ask you gentlemen that said you were second-tier quarterback guys, who's that guy in, say, that four to eight range or whatever you would consider the second quarterback tier, who you're really targeting this year? Well, well for me – Personally, what I like to do is I like to go into the draft with two or three names and have an idea to really focus. And I, you know, personally for me, you know, Derek Carr, Marcus Mariota are the two that I'm really targeting this year because I think both are going to, they're going to be the guys you're going to draft as second tier guys who are going to put up the numbers close to those top three guys. Mariota last year, I think from week four to week 12. So for a good portion of the season prior to his break in his leg, and a lot of people don't realize this, he was the number one scoring fantasy player. He put up more points over that eight, nine-week stretch than Aaron Rodgers did. And I did Mariota as a guy that I would love to get on more teams than I've gotten him on so far this year. The only problem is I do a lot of industry drafts, and the upside to those is that quarterbacks have a tendency to fall a little bit farther than they might with more casual fantasy football players. But, man, if it's a guy that people think it's a value, you'd better be ready to attack him because you're not you're not going to get that guy who's going to slide a couple rounds later that you were hoping to target. You know, he's going to get – I've been sniped so many times in the last two weeks, and I can't even tell you. Well, I'm definitely on board with the Marcus Mariota uh, pick just mentioned, but I'm also really in love with Jameis Winston. He's got a few new toys in that Tampa Bay offense. They're going to be without the muscle hamster for his first few weeks, and who knows, he may even be on a bench further than that, which would suggest it be Charles Sims maybe leading the, uh, the backfield, and we know he's a pretty good receiving back, which would give another option to Jameis Winston. I think the options and his growth, uh, really point to a very, very nice year for Jameis Winston. You know, I got to say, go ahead. I was going to say, regarding those two, you know, Jameis Winston coming in at ADP at 89 right now, uh, Marcus Mariota coming in 96. He did have that that monster explosive stretch week five to 12 last year where he hung 180 points 
out there, 22 points a game, really. Um, looking at both of them, the glaring thing that comes out to me, aside from Mariota's superiority in the rushing game, you know, a lot of people don't realize Winston was actually outrushed by Andy Dalton last year. I mean, let that sink in. You don't think of Andy Dalton as a rushing sort of quarterback. He's not really going to kill you with his legs. You wouldn't think. But he actually does all right with that regard. You know, you look at the weapons. Mariota loaded up as well. You know, he's got Corey Davis in there. Eric Decker's in there now to pair with Rashard Matthews. Still got Delaney Walker. Tajay Sharp showed some stuff last preseason, preseason hero last year. But, um, you know, you look at them all, but – the biggest thing that glares out to me between the two, if I'm picking between the two, and I might just take them both, you know, you're looking at them right there at that comparable ADP about a half round apart, the turnovers for Winston. He doesn't, he doesn't seem – I mean, I know he's football smart. He can play the game. He's been doing this for his whole life. But 33 interceptions over the last two seasons is so much. 18 alone last season. And watching the film on him, he does some crazy stuff sometimes. He's running around, turns around, just yaks it up throws a pick, you know. So if I'm choosing between those two, I like Super Mario all time, and it's seven picks later in the draft. That's kind of the way I'm leaning with the two, but I think their arrows are both pointing up, all things said. Well, I really crazy. Really Good. Uh, I was going to say crazy really things from James Wynn. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> No, I was going to say, I really – actually, I don't even think it's close between Marcus Mariota and Jameis Winston. I think it's all about Mariota because, like you said, weeks five, 5 through 12, he was a QB1. The only person to do that last year through that stretch that was a straight eight weeks QB1 was Aaron Rodgers, and he's the holy grail of quarterbacks. Jameis Winston was a QB1 six times last year, and everyone was talking about how juicy the playoff schedule was. Remember, he faced uh, New Orleans twice last year, weeks 14 and week 16. And he finished as the 24th quarterback in week 14 and number 16 in week 16. Ironic there. But, and as he alluded to, Mariota had just had, they added just as many good new weapons. Like, I I just really don't even think it's close. Winston's going to turn the ball over more. Mariota is where it's at, and I would actually reach on him. He maybe eighth round if he's still there. Winston is a pass for me. I'll let somebody else draft him and deal with those turnovers. Just, Eric just Decker was such point. a gift for Tennessee. Just to keep the point going on Mariota, I mean, it's, it's obviously from what we're, all, what we're all saying is we all love him, but double the interceptions for Winston. Double and only one touchdown more for Winston. So if I'm giving up double the interceptions and one touchdown more, they better be doing a lot more point-wise because Mariota is just that much better in turnover-wise. And also in the red zone, it's ridiculous the numbers that Marcus Mariota has in the red zone. He's got 33 touchdowns in two years in the red zone, zero turnovers in that in his career. He's just he's just going to be a machine. I I will go out on a limb and say he's he's going to be that top three guy. We uh we just did we're we're getting ready to do a Bleacher Report. A uh, the football writers all get together every year. We make preseason predictions and all that good stuff, and we're getting ready to do one for Dark Horse Award candidates. You know, in, instead of picking Aaron Rodgers for MVP, a guy who's maybe a little off the radar. My Dark Horse pick for MVP this year is Marcus Mariota. 
That's who I went. I mean, like I said, Decker was just a gift. They had Corey Davis. They had an athletic tight end, and they've still got Delaney Walker. Got Rashard Matthews, who's an underrated talent. You got that great running back tandem in DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. And a solid, I mean, it's all there. Solid offensive line. All the, everything is just lining up just so for Marcus Mariota. I think the Tennessee Titans are a playoff team this year. I'm. And and to that running back point, Gary, you know, a lot of people will say things, you know, they'll look at the running game. Oh, it's a run first team. You know, not, I mean, kind of. They, the running game accounted for 40% of their total offense last season. Mariota accounted for 16% of that by himself. And DeMarco Murray, you know, as, as big of a beast as he is, he's a big part of the passing game too. 67 targets, 53 receptions on that, 377 yards last season. His 67 targets were eighth most amongst running backs last season. So it's all, it's all clicking, and it's coming together right at the right time. I think Mariota's about to hit his stride. I think you're right. You know, dark horse candidate, jump on him early. Reach on saying he's a dark horse candidate. Like, we're going to have to reach in drafts this year if you want Mariota because I think a lot of people are on this train, and they're seeing the difference that he has when you look at that ADP at that range. I mean, he's really got the upside and a big uptick on some of these guys. Okay, there's another quarterback who presently is being drafted quite well. The least his ADP is quite a bit higher than Marcus Mario. I don't think he's presently being drafted ahead of him because I think people are rather freaking out a little bit. I'll go to you first, Todd, and then we'll just kind of swing it around. How freaked out are you about Andrew Luck? I mean, is, would you is he a pass? Are you waiting a couple rounds? I mean, does he start the season on top? What do you think? Uh, I'm gonna sit on him and wait. I'm if he's still sitting there uh, in round seven, then maybe I take him. But I'm not going any higher. He is a big concern for me with that arm um, and that offensive line. As we know, is not the best at protecting him either. He's going to face a lot of pressure this year. I would be very afraid that he's going to re-injure his shoulder if he does come back too early. Or if he comes back, period, and starts the season, he's going to get banged up and hurt again. Uh, I think you're better off spending your uh, quarterback dollars or pick on somebody else because Andrew Luck will disappoint this year. I think that could be a good possibility looking at uh, the situation with Andrew Luck. I still like him. You know, I like the weapons around him. I like Marlon Mack, you know, getting in there and hopefully getting some touches behind Frank Gore, maybe more. Although Frank Gore is immortal. I mean, he's never going down, is he? I mean, what is he, like 35 now? He's getting up there. So, um, but I, I agree. You know, there's a lot of risk right now looking at what's going on. His ADP is going to continue to dip a little bit. It's down a couple of spots over the last few days as we've had this uncertainty kind of looming over us. And, and honestly, I think looking at that kind of range, if you're looking for that sort of second just underneath the top tier guys, I would pass on Andrew Luck for the moment if I'm drafting this week, if I'm drafting next week for, with what we know. And I would go for a guy like Matt Ryan, really. He's coming in at uh, 68 in his ADP right now, and he has just as much upside. I know the offense has switched a little bit. You know, it's going to be under Sarkeesian now, but my understanding is he's coming in to learn the Atlanta offense, not the other way around. As electric as they were last year, you don't change that. There's going to be some tweaks. There's going to be some, you know, little changes here and there. But the engine itself is going to look very much the same as what it was last season. That offense in Atlanta is completely in its prime right now. Julio Jones couldn't be better. Yeah, injury risk, all that good stuff. Who isn't an injury risk, right? But Matt Ryan, you know, you look at the numbers he put up last year, 
And I know he hasn't done it a ton in his career so far, aside from like 2012 maybe. But I think, you know, at 68 ADP, if you're looking for that, that kind of high-end, upper echelon quarterback, there's a lot less risk with a guy like Ryan, and he's cheaper than Luck for the moment. So that's kind of where I'm going with it. I'd rather slide down a round and a half and take a guy like Matt Ryan. Uh, Andrew Luck was a guy that was off my board before the whole pup list and the injury concerns because they just haven't built that team around him to support him. That offensive line is horrible. And it's it's going to start affecting him eventually, and we're starting to see the beginnings of it now with the, him being on the pup list two years ago, getting hurt. It's it's starting to show. So Andrew Luck was off my board before that, just because I don't like drafting quarterbacks that early to begin with, and I'm not going to draft a guy that has these injury questions. If I'm going to draft that high, I'm going to go with a Russell Wilson, who I know is going to be out there every week. I know is going to. He has those receivers. He has that team. He has that pedigree, just like Andrew Luck, can put up the similar numbers. I'm going to get him much later than Andrew Luck, and I don't have to deal with the injury concerns and everything else. So Andrew Luck is definitely a guy. I'm I'm not even – he's off my board completely. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's off my board completely, but in any draft, anybody's going to draft him over where, say, we want to – because of his name value doesn't matter because right now I'm not moving him down yet because we just don't know enough, but he is a difference maker when it comes to the quarterback position. I would actually rank him ahead of Drew Brees just because of Drew Brees' whole home road splits. We all know he's no good on the road. Um, But that being said, he's going to be get. I'm up way, way late in the, uh, draft for a quarterback kind of guy when you got Andy Dalton and Tyrod Taylor going 17 and 18 respectively. But um, I, I wouldn't kick him completely off. If he falls down enough, like um, I think Ty was saying, six, seven round, uh, I might have to pull the trigger there. I don't know. I, I'm leery of drafting him even six, seventh round. He might have to fall even a little bit farther than that for my case, if only because it seems like every time I roll the dice on a guy that's nicked up like that thinking I'm going to get a value, it blows up in my face. So I've become a little gun shy. I mean, if he's healthy, obviously he has the weapons and we've seen what he's capable of. But with each passing day of the Colts insisting that it's no big deal, as rumors continue to swirl, I mean, if you blow that sixth, seventh round pick on him and he does wind up on the pup list to begin the season and you're out six weeks, that's just ouch. And I don't – it's not the start to the season Colts fans were looking for. I know that because without luck on the field, I mean, their season will be – it's just going to make it that much more likely that the Tennessee Titans are a playoff team because that will be it for them. It will be essentially Tennessee and – Houston, unless you think Jacksonville is going to be a vastly improved team, which I have a hard time saying with a straight face. (laughs) (laughs) They could do it. They could. They got a great defense. Yeah, that's what they said last year. Right, Right, that's what they said. Last year they spent big on DJ. They picked up Malik Jackson, and they drafted Miles Jack and Jalen Ramsey, and they were going to be better. And they were better so far as yardage allowed, but their scoring defense was just awful, in part because Bortles kept turning the ball over and putting them in an untenable position. 
they got Doug Marone as a as a coach. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> Mic drop. Oh man, who thought we'd look at a division and not call Mike Malarkey the worst coach in the division? Oh wow. The times they are changing. Well, I'll uh, I'll start with you, Michael. I want to go ahead. I want to go around the table and give me a couple quarterbacks that you believe are undervalued right now. Well, I got two that I think are undervalued. Um, the first one that I think is is completely undervalued is Carson Wentz. You know, he showed a lot last year, and if it wasn't for the fact that the Eagles couldn't hold on to the ball whenever he threw the pass and they just dropped everything, he would have been a lot higher at the end of the year. They went out, they added Alshon Jeffrey to their team. He's going to be, he's got a number one receiver, which is amazing because last year, I don't think he had a number two receiver. So, you know, he's, he's the first guy that I think is going to do a lot better. They also, they also added Torrey Smith and they are still have Jordan Matthews. That's, the makings of a good receiving core and the Eagles are going to be behind all the time. So I think Carson Wentz is, is going to be that guy who's, who's really undervalued and don't kill me too much for this one, but there's a guy I, I like. I just, I loved him when he was in Tampa and that's Mike Lennon. I know everybody's excited about Mitchell Trubinsky, but the thing about Trubinsky is he's Paxton Lynch and Jared Goff. He's not ready. He's going to take a year two years to develop, to be ready. And I think Mike Glennon is actually a guy you could steal late or even pick up off the waiver wire who's going to perform well. He was a good quarterback when he was at Tampa. They just drafted Jameis Winston. They never gave him the shot. But when he was in there, he performed decently. And they have a good enough core in Chicago that as an undrafted guy or a a very late-round pick, to take a flyer on, I think Lenny could be a guy that's going to sneak up and surprise a lot of people. That's a wow. sneaky one, that Lennon pick. I agree with you on, on Wentz. He was actually my, my deep guy. You know, you look at, um, just touching on him real quick, opportunity is king. You know, you need touches, right? 607 attempts last year, probably for good reason, trying to catch up all the time. But he almost had 4,000 passing yards, you know. The 607 attempts is fifth most in the NFL. And, I mean, I'll take that. If he's throwing the ball – I'll take a look at that, especially at his current ADP. And he's way down there, man. He's, he's bottom of the barrel. And if you pair him up with someone nice, that's not a bad option. But I'll tell you the guy that I'm really feeling is undervalued this year. And uh, I hate to say this, I'm a Michigan fan. And, uh, but Kirk Cousins, you know, coming in at 97 at his ADP right now, when you look at the weapons that are around him, um, Jordan Reed, I know, already hurting. It's too early for this, Jordan. Give us a break, right? I mean, you owe us a few games at least before we start talking about this. But the addition of Terrell Pryor, and you talk about a guy who threw the ball a lot, 606 attempts for him last year, you know, six in fantasy points, almost 5,000 passing yards. That was good for third best. And, you know, when you look at Jamison Crowder and what he's got around him, I think he's in another good opportunity for success. The contract stuff doesn't really matter because he's performed well with the situation looming over his head last year. I think there's no reason he can't do it again. He's actually my backup option if I miss on Mariota because Mariota right now is going 96, Cousins going 97. So that's kind of my, my deeper guy that I'm targeting this year. 
Honestly, I, if anything, I think the contract stuff is good for Kirk Cousins because, you know, once again, he's essentially playing for his supper. I mean, every bad game he goes out and has could potentially cost him money, although I think Kyle Shanahan's going to throw a fortune at him next season regardless. I don't well, even, I guess I don't had... get me started on don't get me started on the Redskins and how they've managed the whole Kirk Cousins situation because I'll just rant and rave for about 15 minutes. <laughs> bunch of idiots. Well, I, I don't being, need to, uh... being from Virginia, it, it really sucks seeing how they're managing this whole Kirk Cousins situation because he really is underrated. And they saw it from the get-go when they drafted him right after Griffin. It, it's just ridiculous. Uh, hey, I, I don't, don't need to. Uh, Go ahead, Todd. Uh, well, I was just going to say, Carson Wentz was also one of the guys on my list, but you guys have talked about him plenty. I do do think he's an incredible value where he's at. But also one guy that I think people kind of forgetting about, uh, they did add a couple new weapons for the Giants with Brandon Marshall and Evan Ingram. Uh, they maybe lost Sterling Shepard today. We'll see. He did get carted off. But I think that's an awful lot of new tools for Eli Manning to play with. And let's remember, they don't have Rashard uh, Jennings this year. Uh, they got Paul Perkins, and they may even pass more this, this year than what they've done in the past few years. Uh, and I would not be a bit surprised if we see that Sterling Shepard is gone for an extended period of time, that maybe they go out and get somebody who would really fit nicely into the slot with Anquan Bolden. Well, I know they reported the today. I, I, go ahead, go ahead, Gary. They reported today that it looks like they're hoping that Shepard just has a low ankle sprain that he just rolled it. But I would assume that his first order of business tomorrow morning will probably be to climb inside a big metal tube so they can take a look. Yeah, absolutely. Another thing about the Giants: don't sleep on Shane Vereen. You know, if you're looking at, in a PPR league, you got him, uh, you know, sitting down there in the late round. Third down back, catching out of the backfield, all the dink and dunk stuff that uh, Manning can do. I bet he's going to have a sneaky value this year, just another weapon to boost Manning's value this season. Yeah, definitely. Um, I really think, I think I alluded to it earlier, but uh, Andy Dalton going 17th overall is just ridiculous because in 2013 he was a top five QB. In 2015, well, he would have been a top five QB. He got hurt him and Tyler Eifert in the same game in week 14. And then it's 2017. So guess what? He's got to be a top five QB. No, he's got all his toys back. He's got added John Ross, Joe Mixon, although that whole geo magically is healthy, I guess all of a sudden. So now maybe that's all put on hold. But the other guy I really wanted to mention was Tyrod Taylor, just because he's going 18th right now. But he gets slept on so much, especially in, like, standard four-point passing touchdown leagues because he averages 39 points per rushing game, uh, per uh, per game. And that is just – that's basically another touchdown every game that Tyrod Taylor is giving you. Sammy Watkins is apparently healthy. I'm one of the people that's I, – I need to see it to believe it, but that's neither here nor there. Zay Jones is an exceptional talent. LaShawn McCoy is – probably in a tier of his own after the top three running backs. Tyrod Taylor, I really do believe, has the upside to be a top seven, maybe six quarterback. 
for me, the big thing with Dalton is going to be can Ogbehi and Jake Fisher step up as the new additions to that offensive line. Because if you look, Football Outsiders did a study on him that didn't include last season. I think it ran through 2015. And his splits in a clean pocket versus with guys in his face, is it's really striking how much better a quarterback is. And obviously all quarterbacks are going to be better when they're not running for their lives. But with Dalton, I mean, it's his numbers nosedive if he's facing consistent pressure. And I think that's one of the problems that the Bengals had last year, even with Andrew Whitworth and Zeitler, is that as a unit, that line kind of took a step back. And it affected Dalton's play. So if those young guys can step up, yeah, I mean, you look at the, the, the addition of Ross, they've got, and now all of a sudden with the addition of Joe Mixon, they've got a deep stable of running backs who all bring a little something a little different to the table. If Tyler Eifert can stay healthy, he's got one of the better athletic tight ends in the NFL. So Dalton's a guy that I find drafting a lot as a backup. You know, because I, and when I'm picking that fantasy back, I want a guy where I don't just want a guy who can cover my starter bye week. You kind of have to – you almost have to go worst-case scenario because so many quarterbacks nowadays are going to miss two or three games here or there. I think there were only six or seven last year that started all 16 games. So you're, you're going to need that backup that you can count on a little bit to go out there and over a four-week span at least – you know, go 500 for your team, put up decent enough stats that you're not killed by that prolonged absence at any one position. I think a lot of people underestimate the importance of fantasy depth at the quarterback position, but it's just like anything. I mean, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket and just have that one fluke injury that costs a quarterback a month tank your season because then, you know, it's October and you're grouchy and you don't have fun for the rest of the year. And we're supposed to have fun. That's right. Well, well, you know, talking about Andy Dalton and a guy that I can't help but look at him as completely comparable is Matthew Stafford. I mean, he is the ultimate under the radar. I, I just, I feel like Matthew Stafford's the guy that, you know, as you're waiting and waiting and waiting and you kind, kind of look up at your draft board and you go, oh, my goodness, Matthew Stafford's still there. And you take him because he's just somebody that we, we don't – but he's just consistently a very solid fantasy quarterback. Over 4,000 yards every year since 2013. Oh, you know, 29 touchdowns in 2013, 32 in 2015. And, again, comparing him to Andy Dalton, you know, every other year. You know, this is going to be a good year for Matthew Stafford because, you know, it's that odd number year. And he's just that guy that I just think falls in your lap that would be perfect, especially if you have – especially if you do take the risk and sign Andrew Luck. And, I mean, I draft Andrew Luck and you're there and Stafford's sitting there. What better fallback plan if you do go the Andrew Luck route than a Matthew Stafford? Oh, Stafford's about to have a wonderful year, right about the time that he puts pen to paper on that new contract that's probably going to make him the highest-paid player in the NFL. Oh, it's a good year to be Matt Stafford. And he's an old CBA quarterback, so he's already loaded. Him and Sam Bradford. Money, 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 money. (laughs) Yeah. Phillip Rivers is a guy just like Stafford to me. I mean – you can wait and literally be the last team in a 12-team league, a lot of times going off, judging off the ADP information, and be sitting there, and you can have your choice between Stafford and Phillip Rivers, who I believe 
in the scoring system that I use in the majority of my leagues. I think they finished, I can't remember which one was seventh and which one was eighth, but they were seven, eight last year. Now, granted, that's not, you know, Aaron Rodgers' dominant numbers, but it's also not bad production for a quarterback that you waited that long on and, and the depth that that will afford you that you can go get it running back and wide receiver. And you get, obviously, the Mike Williams injury is a bummer because it doesn't look like we're going to see him on the field anytime soon. And Keenan Allen is from the Sammy Watkins School of Durability, which is to say he doesn't have any. But if he they can did. stay out there, and you can, you got to figure the Chargers are going to be playing catch-up, too. Well, they did suffer another line injury today, though. Forrest Lamp got knocked out. Oh, no. Be okay, Forrest. I love it. He was my favorite offensive lineman in this year's draft class. I love Forrest Lamp. That kid plays mean. He's yep. just an angry young man. I can't remember if it was last year or the year before where it seemed like every game the Chargers lost an offensive lineman due to injury. And they were literally signing guys off the street. Oh, that would be vicious ver- versions of the uh, Baltimore Ravens, the way things are going in Baltimore. Oh, yeah, hmm. Baltimore's had the toughest run out of anybody in training camp. Yeah, you they just want it to be over. They're like, can we just please start the season now while we still have some players? And on top of everything else, the big rumor, and I know a couple of Ravens fans, I know a, a guy who does a radio show in Baltimore too, and of course the hot topic there is are the Ravens going to go out and get Colin Kaepernick, which, I mean, if I'm Baltimore, I don't know what Steve Basati is so worried about. I understand the whole political brouhaha surrounding Colin Kaepernick, but I own the football team. The fans, some of them might be upset. They're still going to come to the game. They're not going to boycott. Football fans are too – they love football more than they, they'll get over it. And if you trot out Ryan Mallett for the first six games of the year, you might as well hand the AFC North to Pittsburgh. I don't think – Colin Kaepernick is that much better than Ryan Mallett watching him. I mean, Kaepernick has not been good since that Super Bowl. So I don't know if necessarily signing Colin Kaepernick is going to be the solution. Not that anybody else there would be the solution. I mean, RG3 isn't the solution either because he's just as bad. But, you know, I just, I don't see either. And I don't see a solution for them in just signing somebody. And I think that's why the Ravens are just not going to. They're just going to try and ride it out. They could always get Cleveland on the horn. I What would it take to get Brock Osweiler away from him and take that as, well, setting the contract under their salary cap would be the real master stroke. Don't wish. They could figure out a way to do it. So, uh, I don't, don't wish Osweiler any more NFL teams, please. No more. Man, I'm a Browns fan. I'm, I'm a Browns fan. I want to wish him off of my team before oh, his Weiler okay. well, <laughs> infects Deshaun Kaiser. I still have hope for Kaiser, so he needs to stay as far away from Brock Osweiler as possible. Speaking of deep, make, deep, uh, deep, uh, just a deep, deep, deep sleepers, there's a guy on the Ravens roster, uh, Olsen. He was the uh, Canadian, the CFL's leading passer, and they signed him and they brought him in, and if Mallet doesn't work out, I mean, we're always looking for that that crazy guy. You know, he led the CFL in passing. Now, the CFL is the equivalent to playing the Browns every week, so he at least has two games where he could do well. 
How, how you doing over there, right. Gary? <laughs> I'm a Browns fan. I'm I'm just numb at this point. One in fifteen last year. Everyone's talking about how much better the Browns are going to be this year. I'm like they were one in fifteen last year. There's nowhere to go but up, guys. I mean, slow your roll, everyone. Flip side of undervalued is quarterbacks that you believe are overvalued. I'll go ahead and kick this off. He's not overvalued a ton, and we've already discussed him at fair length. I'm not as high on Jameis Winston as some people are. I understand why people are buying into Winston. You look at what they were able to add in the passing game. They went out and got O.J. Howard, who apparently looked very impressive early in camp, including as a blocker, which could really open up some early playing time for him, although Cameron Braid is no scrub. The thought of Deshaun Jackson running go routes with Winston's big right arm, and I think Winston's ADP is apt to just climb that much more because Hard Knocks is going to fire up, and everyone's going to be watching Winston on TV every week, and they're going to go get Jameis Winston. And it's not that I don't think he's a good quarterback, but as – a couple of people alluded. He throws too many. He takes too many stupid chances with the football, and it's not even just the "quote unquote" gunslinger mentality. You know, the Brett Favre. Hey, I can fit the ball in there when no, you really can't. He just does stuff. I always I flash back to the Rose Bowl game against Oregon when they just got shellacked, and when he was dropping back, the guy hanging on him, and he just I don't if he fumbled or just threw it up in the air. But it was just, I'm like, what are you doing, Jameis? So there are guys, comparable ADPs there that I'm just, I'm not interested. Yeah, I can completely agree with, with Winston and, and the exposure. You're right. You know, we're, we're pretty fickle, you know, sometimes. I know, I know people that don't do this, you know, like eat, sleep, and drink fantasy football. They see people on TV and they start drafting them higher and higher, and it's it's going to raise up. I wouldn't be surprised if he raises, you know, eight to ten spots between now and kickoff of week one. If I want picks, you alluded to it earlier. Give me Philip Rivers. He threw more picks than Winston, but I'd rather have I'd rather have Rivers. You know, he's got weapons all around him, so that makes a lot of sense. But a guy that I really am starting to just sour on completely, and I probably should have soured last year, is Cam Newton. You know, ever since ever since Denver just ate him alive. That defense just was vicious in that Super Bowl. He just hasn't really looked the same to me. He kind of he kind of has that that sort of loss of swagger in him. You see him out there smacking his gum, just kind of walking around and you know, you look at how abysmal his season was last year. It was it was atrocious. I mean, it was one of his one of his worst out there. And you see the pieces they're putting it around him. It feels like they're giving him crutches to lean on, you know. Let's bolster this running game. And I know McCaffrey's going to catch it out of the backfield and, and things like that. But he's just not something I'm willing to invest in at 87 right now. I'd much rather wait and get the Mariotas, heck, even a Ben Roethlisberger at 95. I'd rather take him with the weapons he's got around him than spending on Cam Newton. And we all know what he could do, and that allure is going to pull someone to draft him, thankfully, before I even have to think about him. But Cam Newton, I'm not touching him this year. I think he's a little, a little overrated this year. If I'm drafting Big Ben, I want to. I want to shoot. If I'm getting Big Ben, I want to shoot for that platoon situation because you're going to need that second quarterback (laughs) for the weeks that Pittsburgh goes on the road. Oh my! What happens to him when they leave Heinz Field? His passer rating last year was 40 points lower on the road than it was at home. It's ridiculous. 
Wow, he's just so alluring, though. When you look at when you look at Martavis coming back, they're going to reinstate him, right? Eventually, they have to. Martavis, Antonio Brandon, Le'Veon, as many passes he catches out of the backfield. I'm going to own him somewhere, but you're right. You got to pair him with somebody. But his I'll, ADP, his ADP is right on my fantasy league right now is the 13th QB off the board. That is advertising, as David alluded to. For me, I'm a big one for trends and outliers. Follow the trends and avoid the outlier. And the guy that, to me, last year had the biggest outlier compared to his average numbers is Matt Ryan. You know, his previous high for touchdowns was 28. He threw 38 last year. His previous low for interceptions was 14. His last year he threw seven. I mean, that's that just screams to me outlier. And I know what everybody's saying. He's got Julio Jones. He's got Muhammad Sanu. He's got Gabriel. He's got those two studs running backs, you know. I, I'm just not buying it. Matt Ryan is just like Phillip Rivers and Matthew Stafford, except going a lot higher. He's going uh, he's, he's going as a top-five quarterback. He's, he's not that. And... What scares me off even more is when you look at and compare his trend to Cam Newton's trend the year before, that whole Super Bowl hangover is real. We're starting to see it creep into the, into the Falcons in training camp and some of the stories surrounding the team. And I just see this team with what they did last year, playing the three extra games to get to the Super Bowl, the fact that all of those stats were – exceedingly higher than the norm and the fact that they're coming off of that disastrous loss in the Super Bowl, which I'm a Patriots fan, by the way, so you can kill me for that later. But it just screams to me that Matt Ryan's the guy that, you know, people are going to draft high and is going to blow up in their face. And like I said, I'd rather wait on quarterbacks anyway, never mind on a quarterback like Matt Ryan. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Cause, that's more. funny because – no, I was just going to say I couldn't agree more just because uh, I think before last year, Matt Ryan in his whole career hadn't finished better than QB7. I need to vet that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. But now he's going off on my fantasy league as a QB6, and it's like, are we drafting him at his ceiling? That's no good for a QB. But I'm sorry. Well, here's I'm my thought. Here's my thoughts on Ryan, you know, and, and in defense, because what I try to do is I try to look at it all from all angles and try to, you know, try to play devil's advocate a little bit with it. I, you know, I like Ryan this year. I do. I like him because of where, is he, where he's going. And you look at those around him. You're looking at, like, Paul Perkins, you know, uh, Jimmy Graham, Doug Martin. Um, you got Brandon Marshall, Jameson Crowder. There's some stuff there for sure. But if you're looking at points and, and you think about – who has the best chance to give me the most points for my investment? If I want one of those perceived upper echelon guys, Ryan's kind of like the last guy in the door, in my opinion, this year for that sort of tier. Obviously, Brady, you know, Rogers, tier of their own. But then I lump, I lump the breeze. I lump the, unfortunately, the luck, you know, the jury's out on that with all that stuff. And I lump Ryan kind of in there, too. And I'm coming in at 68. That's about the peak of what I would possibly think about spending on him. So that's kind of where I'm at with him. I love the weapons. I love the offensive system. You know, obviously it all speaks for itself. But, you know, you mentioned the Super Bowl hangover. That's valid. That's a real thing these days. 
And, I mean, that's going to be one hell of a hangover after what happened last season. I mean, one of the best <laughs> goals in history. But, man, oh, man, I, I'm going to own him somewhere because i got to see. But that's about the peak of what I'm going to spend on a quarterback is Matt Ryan. But you guys all have valid points. I can give you that for sure. One other Todd, thing to mention about – well, mine was also Matt Ryan, and these guys have said a lot about what I was going to say. The only other thing I really have to add is they did change offensive coordinators also in Atlanta, and I've heard that they want to run the ball more. And let's also not forget that Atlanta last year had a very easy schedule. This year's schedule is much tougher. I could see that he's going to have a more difficult time playing against these better defenses. So throw that into the equation there, gentlemen. Valid points all the way around, and all quarterbacks that I have some level of concern on, especially Cam. I just he did, like you said, he did not look good last year, and I don't. It made 2015 look like it was the fluke, the aberration, and not the Newton that we saw last year. And maybe I'll be wrong. I mean, if he hits at the ADP he's going at right now, if he can put up 2015 numbers, he's going to win some people some leagues, but. I'm not overly confident about that. Okay, let's say you're playing in a a two-team league, a two-QB league, excuse me, or a super flex league, the, the leagues where any quarterback with any value whatsoever is going to be drafted. Why don't you go around and give me one quarterback, say, outside the top 20 that you think could sneak his way higher this year? I got Gary, Ryan Tannehill. Uh, oh, uh-oh. go ahead. Oh no! Well, I already heard who you were going to say. I'm going to go ahead and blow the lids off and say Brian Hoyer, right here, right now. Listen to this. So, the past two years, he's played in 17 games. He's thrown for 4,051 yards, 25 touchdowns, only seven interceptions, 64 four percent completion percentage. 94.7 quarterback rating. We all remember that playoff game, the abysmal turnovers after turnovers after turnovers. But remember last year when he was with the Bears, from weeks three to five, he was a QB1. He never passed for under 300 yards when he started games. He started four. Um, he's the most underappreciated quarterback I've ever seen. And he is um, – I know, it's funny. It's funny. But if you want a deep sleeper, he's going as the 28th quarterback on my fantasy league right now. And I know he's going to get hurt. I mean, it's inevitable. And I don't wish that upon my worst enemy. But he's got Shanahan. Something tells me he can sneak up there. He's a sneaky guy oh, right now. The garbage time points that are the potential – Exactly. This There's year. so much The there. Blake Bortles so effect. Mm-hmm. And Blake Bortles has been a QB1 two years in a row. That's so gross. Yeah, I, know. I know. I know. Did you guys know Blake Bortles had the same number of rushing yards as Cam Newton last year? Just one more dig at Cam. Sorry, Cam. <laughs> oh, ow. Well, well, I guess since you guys all already know – since you guys already know who my choice is, I'm just going to speak about it for a little bit, but I'm going Ryan Tannehill. Uh, everybody's expecting and they're saying that Devontae uh, Parker is having a great year. He's going to look very good in the Dolphins uh, uniform for the entire year instead of being hurt for the most part. Put him alongside weapons of Jarvis Landry and Kenny Stills at the wideout, and you add in a new tight end with Julius Thomas. 
I think that explodes uh, for Ryan Tannehill in his favor. I think Tannehill has a very, very solid year. Right now they got him going up at number 22 for quarterbacks. I think he's a lot higher than that. Well, I've already said my deep, deep sleeper, but I'm just going to go back to him also. My guy is Mike Glennon. Um, you know, that year, 2013, when he was started for the Buccaneers, 2,600 yards, 19 touchdowns, nine interceptions in 13 games. He was right there. You project that out to, you know, a whole season. He's right about 30, 3,400 yards, 22, 23 touchdowns. You know, it's going to be his year this year. They're not going to put Jorinsky out there. The Bears are going to be playing from behind all year long. They, they're just not that good. So it's one of those effects where, you know, they're playing from behind. He's going to be throwing the ball. You know, so I just think Mike Glennon – and let's not forget, before they traded up, everybody was talking about Mike Glennon as a possible sleeper. You know, when he, when he was first signed, that, hey, this guy could be the guy for the Bears, and then – all of a sudden, they trade up, and while everybody forgets about Mike Lennon now because Trubinsky is going to be the guy. Trubinsky is not going to be ready. He's not going to see the field this year unless something happens to Glennon. So Glennon's going to be the guy. I think you could expect, you know, and you know, just over about three thousand, thirty-five hundred yards from him. Maybe twenty-five, twenty-six touchdowns. That may be high, but I think you could see a good year from Mike Lennon. I'll tell you, I've been doing a lot of these um, eliminator challenge, best ball, you know, uh, super flex kind of leagues. I'm I'm so sick of just the regular old league, right? We've got enough of those. been doing those for years. But um, I keep ending up with, you know, a pretty good quarterback up high, you know, like a Dak Prescott or a Tyrod Taylor. Then I always end up finding myself grabbing Carson Palmer, you know. Um, he is older than dirt. You know his body is going to just crumble at some point, disintegrate into dust. But he does have a lot of great weapons around him when you look at it. I'm really excited about John Brown you know, finally getting into that number two role, maybe even more. You know, he's got those wheels, and, and Larry Fitzgerald is still around, still doing great, and still doing great in the red zone, too, pulling down the touchdowns. David Johnson catching a ton of passes out of the, uh, out of the backfield there. Just such a, just a versatile weapon with him. Uh, Carson is someone who I just keep naturally getting as my second quarterback in these two QB leagues. He's so cheap, and he's got that potential, and he's got enough weapons around him to make it happen. So that's someone who just keeps falling into my lap, and I keep saying I can't pass. I got to take him. Yeah, and he has oh, an amazing opening schedule. I try my best to not look at the schedule. I know, I know it's a factor for sure, but you know, I love this time of year because we all know we all know so much about the schedule, especially, and then and then things get shaken up. We have a good indication, that's for sure, but I can't remember any recent year where I've said that's a great schedule. And it's actually panned out 100% in that favor. So I, I don't doubt what you say at all, but I do everything in my power to not look ahead more than maybe a couple of weeks, you know, as I'm planning, looking at DFS and things like that. But um, that's good to know. I didn't even realize that. Thank you. Well, I mean, four games against the 49ers and the Rams, you know that there's some tomato cans in that schedule. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I – Palmer and uh, Brian Hoyer were really my guys. I would say keep an eye on, especially if you're drafting later, closer to the start of the season. If Deshaun Watson can wrest that starting job away from Tom yeah. Savage in Houston, I think there could be something there uh, that was 
I wanted the Browns to take Watson at that 12 spot and not trade that pick. I'm not going to complain because they got an extra one out of it. But <clears throat> the kid can play is all I'm going to say. And yeah, I wonder about the Denver quarterback battle, too. If Lynch – I want no part of Trevor Simeon. Thank you, but no thank you. But if Lynch could win that job, I wonder if there could be something there. What about – what are we feeling about, I mean, Jared Goff potentially – making some strides forward. I mean, he looked horrible last year, and he looked absolutely awful. But is there a chance, an opportunity there where maybe he takes a step forward and starts to live up to some of that potential? Does anybody think that? I think, I think you know, even a garbage can gets a stake, you know. It, it, it could happen. Anything could happen. My problem with that is there's just so many other options before you get to that golf, you know, unless you're playing like a 32 team IDP dynasty, which I do play, you know, then, then golf, I just can't bring myself to invest in, in such an unknown that looked so bad last season, you know, and I know the changes and, and things like that. He's got Robert Woods out there now, you know, possibly. Yeah. But I don't think I'm going to be able to find out on one of my rosters unless it's just the deepest league. I mean, I just can't see it happening for me this year anyway. I, I think I, he I needs to better. find a definite two number one uh, for wide receiver before that happens for Goff. Right now, they don't. Robert Woods may be a two. That's fine and dandy, but they've got nothing else as far as receiver there. Uh, I think Goff is going to have another very tough year. It's going to be a little bit. They need to do something to address their wide receiver position. What, Tavon Austin's not a number one receiver? <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, the amount of money there. You know, Gary, I think I think you made a good point with with uh, Deshaun Watson, and that's another thing too. I've been finding myself uh, taking a lot of these rookies. You know, especially in these these best ball leagues or two QP superflex leagues, grabbing Mahomes. You know, grabbing Kaiser and just sitting on him, just in case. You know, just in case you catch lightning in a bottle. You never know. They're cheap enough, that's for sure. And uh, I would put Watson at the top of that list of rookies. But I mean, if Mahomes gets the reins in Kansas City, uh, who knows what he could do there. He's got to have a higher ceiling than Alex Smith. Alex Smith has no ceiling. <laughs> Alex Smith is all – doesn't really have a floor or a ceiling. He's just carpet. Fantasy carpet. Good for, good well, for, him. Good about, for him having look, a career like he's had. He's doing good. <laughs> we've got about, I think, five minutes left on the clock. So I want to go around to everyone and uh, give you a chance to tell the listeners kind of what you're working on at Fantasy Sharks and what you're going to have going on this season. Uh, well, this is Todd. I'm once again going to be reporting on how the rookies perform each and every week. I've been doing that for a couple of years, so once again, I look forward to that. And now that we're into the dirt and grime of training camp and preseason games, I'm going to finally submit my uh, uh, my first set of rankings for the year. I think some of you would be very surprised at the movement from what we figured to happen to what is the current situation. So look forward to that in the next week or so. Well, this is this is Mike, and uh, you know what I've been doing is I've been doing uh, overvalued, undervalued rankings, and basically not rankings based on the performance, but based on where they're being drafted. And what I'm planning on doing is taking that into the season and working on players week to week that are overvalued or undervalued. You know, do you have a Le'Veon Bell going up against an incredibly stingy defense, and maybe you have somebody else on the bench that you might put in because 
you know, of the matchup? Or do you have Julio Jones going against, or actually a better example, Amari Cooper, because his splits were so different when he was going against a really great cornerback, he would disappear. And do you have somebody else to play besides him? And that's the way I was going to focus on for this year. This is David Oliveira's. Um, just right now I'm wrapping up uh, kind of a draft day decision series I've been doing for the tail end of uh, the summer here, looking at guys that are very close in ADP, um, you know, that you might have to make a decision on on draft day. Hopefully I can help sway you one way or another, or at least give you some points to think about uh, during that. When the season kicks off, though, I'm jumping on the DFS team, going to be looking at, you know, a lot of the good values and good plays each week with that. And also, I do a lot of trade analysis uh, each week, which is very thankless work, mind you. Um, so, you know, I'll be uh, highlighting some people that keep popping up, you know, each week um, and, and kind of giving you an idea about the trade market and how people are feeling about people and uh, give you some targets to go after, perhaps, or people to sell, perhaps, too. Yeah, and I, I'm Ryan Black, and I've kind of done – I think I did a mock draft right after the actual NFL draft. I'm going to do one right before, maybe next week, um, actually. So, well, I guess draft season is actually upon us. But um, I'll do a little mock draft. I don't know where I'm picking yet, but I'll analyze every pick, tell you where I'm going, and then look at some advanced metrics, some juke rates kind of stuff, um, and give you guys an idea of why I picked that person. But uh, this year it looks like I'll be doing – kind of a recap of the week before, looking forward, and then some waiver wire kind of stuff. But I'm excited to be here. This has been awesome. Um, and I really thank you, Gary, for having us on. Uh, it's pleasure's all mine, guys. Welcome to Fantasy Sharks is all I can say. I've been with the site since uh, 2011, I think. And, you know, it's home. I'll be working. i do some draft season stuff on both sides of the wall, offense and defense. Once the regular season gets going, odds are pretty good. If it says IDP on it, it's written at Fantasy Sharks. I did it. So IDP rankings, start sit, waiver wire, other stuff. I stay busy. Plus this wonderful show, which, by the way, guys, was an outstanding episode tonight. Open invites to join us whenever you can. I think we offered a lot of great information, you know, you never have too many educated opinions that you can pass along to fantasy drafters. We will be back next week. I might even go 90 minutes next Wednesday because, you know, once you get into running backs, now, now we're talking the meat and potatoes of fantasy football when you start talking tailbacks, you know. And we've seen a little bit of a return. It's back to the future. You know, every year, last year, zero RB was in vogue and everyone was drafting wide receivers early. And now the majority of drafts that I've participated in, at least the first three picks, have been running backs, although that's changing a little bit because Ezekiel Elliott can't stay out of trouble. So we'll be back next Wednesday, talk some tailbacks. Thanks for joining us. Have a good night. Good night, guys. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.